Welcome to the Fried Hartman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the FHU Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dr. Josh Ketchum, and I'm glad to have Dr. Donnie DeBoard here with me again. Uh, a returnee from Season 1, I don't think you were in Season 2, but always does a great show for us, and so we're looking forward to having him. Welcome. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate you and all that you do in this podcast with the leadership uh, program, and looking forward to our discussion today. Yes, I'm excited. So, um, we want to, if you're listening to this podcast, as, as soon as it's going to be released in the next week, we want to encourage you to tune in to our FHU lectureship going on featuring the book of Revelation, February the 4th through the 8th. And so we're excited about that. Donnie, you looking forward to that? It's my favorite week of the year. It really is. Every year I look forward to that. I met my wife on the first day of the lectureship back in 2003 and uh, had our first date there listening to Winford Claiborne in the uh, evening session. And so it's always been special, and we're looking forward to this year uh, just in a few days. And also in March next year as we look forward to a bit of a change of date for the lectureship, but I know we'll be excited and have a great program. Yeah, that's going to really surprise some people. They're uh, kind of releasing this information out a little bit on the podcast. I know yeah. that's out there, but it, people will probably be surprised because of the renovation at Lloyd. Right. Uh, we're going to have to move it to a March date. It's going to be a beautiful Lloyd and a beautiful lectureship. Yes, yeah, so Lloyd will be brand new, uh, Lord willing, when that comes out. And so that will be in 2025, but we're looking forward to 2024. And so you can, if you can't come to campus with us, you can uh, watch the streams of them online, and so we encourage you to check that out. So, uh, Donnie, uh, today we're going to be talking uh, about what? what? What topic do you bring for our discussion? Well, I came across this phrase called mission fatigue, and this isn't just for missionaries. This is really for all Christians because as we're involved in ministry, we get really excited there at the beginning, but then eventually our zeal sort of tapers out, our mm -hmm. desire to serve, our desire to do a lot of things for the Lord, uh, we just kind of lose it over time. And this book uh, that I was reading, The Glory of the Lord Shines Forth, uh, published by Crossway, there are a couple of di different editions by that. And I think uh, your leader, your uh, listeners might uh, appreciate reading the book, checking it out. It's got some good material in there. But this phrase, mission fatigue, was really important as it really highlighted some things that I've been through in ministry and teaching here and probably some things that you've been to, Josh. Uh, you just get tired. You ever mm -hmm. feel that way? Oh, absolutely. And no matter what type of mission fatigue we're talking about, whether it is, you know, an elder who's struggling with, he's been an elder for several years, he's struggling with burnout, he's struggling with purpose, he's struggling with putting the energy into it that he feels like he needs to, or a deacon, you know, putting the energy into his ministry that he needs to, or a minister, mm -hmm. and, you know, struggling with, here's another Sunday coming, yeah. and I've got to have another sermon. And so... They come uh, quicker every week, don't they? They, they do. Yeah. And, and for us, you know, even... Uh, here's a class. I've got to go teach this class again. And so right. uh, so that's a real common problem, I believe. Right. So it's important that we evaluate where we are. Uh, where is our spiritual life? We're told to examine ourselves. And that's not just that we are believing the right things, but we also need to take some spiritual inventory of our desire to serve the Lord, our desire to be in ministry. How is our love uh, for the Lord and for His work. And so as we're thinking about that, we want to do that on an individual level as ministers. We want to do that uh, maybe in an eldership, uh, the leadership of a congregation. We want to think about where our congregation is. And whenever we're thinking about this, perhaps we could say, 
you know, we're like the church at Laodicea as we're getting ready for mm-hmm. Revelation. We might be like the church at Laodicea, and our love's grown cold. We need to repent and remember the first works, the love that we had at first. Maybe we are sort of dying in our zeal. We're, we're believing the right things. We're still doing the right things, but we just don't have that passion anymore. We don't have that desire. Or maybe we're not dying, but we're just sort of napping, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love a good nap as much as anyone, but we can't be napping in the Lord's work. We have to be zealous. You remember in the book of Proverbs, the uh, Solomon tells us, go to the ant, you sluggard. We're supposed to be industrious for the Lord. And in order to do that, you've got to want to. And so instead of dying or napping, we really want to be striving. And so you can run into people that are you know, always trying to do something for the Lord. They're always trying to find that next person to talk to about Jesus. And you just wonder, where does that fuel come from? How do they have that motivation? Now, it's going to be different for everyone. And whenever we're examining ourselves, we have to be careful uh, on the standard that we have with ourselves because in some places, growth is going to look very different than in other places. Uh, Growth does not necessarily equal faithfulness. Uh, Having a baptism every Sunday doesn't mean that you're uh, being really faithful and the person that or the church is baptizing every two or three Sundays or every two or three months doesn't necessarily mean that they're being unfaithful. But that desire still has to be there, does it? Our growth, our popularity, our excitement and evangelism, these things aren't what determines how good we are in God's sight. And there has to be some other measuring stick because there's just so many things outside of our control. Our community size, if you're in a large urban area, you of course have more opportunities Mm -hmm. to be encouraged by people that are being saved, people that are there to encourage you. But if you are in a place where there aren't a lot of Christians around, or maybe there just aren't even a lot of people around, then that can be rather draining, as you've experienced that as well. Uh, You're going to have different community struggles. You're going to have different struggles in the church, uh, community change, things that just wear you out and make you tired. Uh, None of these things necessarily mean that you're doing a bad job or that you have a bad congregation. But as we're looking at that, we see that we still struggle with the desire to keep on keeping on. We still struggle with thriving, and perhaps we just want to take a nap for a long time, or maybe we're just ready to give up. But like the Friedhardman Lectures, there's got to be something that gives us that shot in the arm to make us want to do better, to make us want to keep on going, to uh, give us that fire in our bones again, as Jeremiah said. So the question then is, where do we find that blessing? Where do we find that encouragement? So, so you're saying that we often look to external factors, we might say environmental factors, and we allow those metrics mm-hmm. to discourage us and cause us to feel a little bit despondent and tired and sometimes we want to throw up our hands. And so you're saying those are not good metrics to constantly be gauging right. ourselves by. Yeah, as, as we th- start thinking about those metrics as you described them, or we start thinking about where we're going to find our zeal, where are we mm-hmm. going to find our motivation? I'm reminded of Jeremiah 2 and verse 13, where God says, My people have committed two evils. They've, number one, forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so they're looking for this inspiration. They're looking for blessing. They're looking for life in all the wrong places. They have tried to find things their own way. They've got these cisterns that they're digging out. There's no water there. They have these broken cisterns that have no water. The Lord says, you should have been staying with me. You should have been looking to me. He describes himself there in Jeremiah 2 and verse 13 as the fountain of living waters. So you think about 
uh, uh, maybe a typical minister or a typical congregation, we look to various places and people trying to discover that motivation. We might look to a new program. We think this program is really going to help, really going to be beneficial. Our, our gospel meeting that's coming up in a few weeks, that preacher, he really inspires me and helps me to be motivated. Or we depend on the elders or the song leader that can be a real boost uh, to our worship service. But all these people and all these different ideas and programs, while they're good and they can be a shot in the arm, it's not really that fountain of living waters that God described himself as there in Jeremiah 2 and verse 13. You know, there are a lot of congregations that have had all of those things in the past, really good examples of those, but sometimes they no longer exist. So instead of looking to these people or programs or various activities, what I think we really need to do is to be overwhelmed with God to realize that he describes himself as that fountain of living water. And what we're supposed to do is come to the fountain and drink. That's what we see in John 4. Mm -hmm. We have a lady that's just tried everything in life, trying to take care of herself, trying to find satisfaction, trying to find meaning in life. And the Lord says, you don't have to do that anymore. I want to give you this fountain of living water. If you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. And so this is what we as ministers, we as church leaders have to do. Instead of relying on people and programs and really just uh, trying to rely on our own uh, conviction that we've got to keep on going, we really need to learn to rely on the Lord. And I think if we're overwhelmed with him, if we are in awe of him, then we'll have a much better opportunity to do that. But unfortunately, we tend to focus on the practical rather than to focus on God. And that's exactly what wears us out, getting yeah. involved in all this practical stuff for the next new program, the next new idea. While it can be good for a little while, it eventually just tapers out like we do. But God will never do that. If we're in awe of him, we always have something to inspire us. Great, great thoughts, Donnie. So one of the things you're saying, if I'm see if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying if, if we want to have the vigor and the enthusiasm and the energy to carry the gospel outward, we need to constantly be renewing ourselves inwardly mm -hmm. with our devotion to God yeah. and our personal relationship with God. Right. And so if we want to have this constant tapping into this inward well of the Lord's strength and blessing, mm -hmm. as you talked about with this water illustration, how do we do that? Like, right. how do, if, if there's an elder out there who's He's just discouraged. He's thinking, this church, you know, I've been leading it for a while, and it's just not going right. where we need it to go, and I'm tired of my ministry. Maybe it's time for someone else uh, to step in here or mm -hmm. minister that's thinking the same thing. What? Well, let's put this in terms of how can they renew themselves through God? Yeah. As we're thinking about that question, I think we've already even uh, highlighted part of the problem. We're focusing on the church. We're focusing on what we've done. We focused on all the programs that we've tried that didn't work. We focused on how long I've been here and how long I've been serving. But instead of doing those things, if we'll focus on the Lord. Now, this is not really a how-to. It's just that this is what we need to do. This is where we're going to find life. This is where we're going to find blessing as we begin to look to the Lord and trust Him, right? That's what we do whenever we go to turn on the water. We're always shocked if the water doesn't turn on, aren't we? Mm -hmm. uh, but the Lord describes Himself as this fountain of living water, a fountain of life. So just go to Him, focus on Him, and actually just be amazed by Him. As we look in Scripture, we see in First Chronicles 29.10, Romans 1.25, Romans 9.5, and then again in 2 Corinthians 11.31, 
God described as being blessed forever. This is just who he is. It's not that he receives blessing. God doesn't need anything, as we see in the book of Acts, as Paul is preaching to the philosophers at Mars Hill. He does not serve by human hands as though he needs anything. Instead, he provides life and breath to all people. So as we look to the Lord then, we see that he doesn't need us, but we depend upon him for absolutely everything. We see the same principle again when we see God described as life. In John 5 and verse 26, Jesus says, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted also the Son to have life in himself. Jesus says the same of himself in John 14 and verse 6 when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we look at Jesus, if we look at the Father, if we look at the Spirit as the source of blessing, as this fountain of life, this fountain of joy, as we see in Psalm 16 and verse 11, where we see at his right hand are, uh, is the fullness of joy and his right hand are pleasures forevermore, then we have a source to go to, an inexhaustible source that we can go to that's always going to encourage us, that's always going to motivate us. And so what we've got to do is begin to focus on him. Now, how do we do that? We actually have to start thinking about the Lord. Whenever I read scripture, I'm tempted to say, all right, this is what he said. Now, what do I have to do? Yes, that, right? that, that's kind of the American model. That's kind of what we yeah. preachers have been guilty of. Yeah. You know, even teaching our students sometimes, go to a passage and find out. Right. what we're called to do from that passage. But what so if, what? And there's yeah. value in that. But there, there, that's necessary and good, but whenever you're looking at Scripture and saying, all right, now what do I have to do? Mm-hmm. What's the next step? Boy, am I tired, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's just going to be the next thing or that guilt. happens. We feel guilt. Absolutely, and that just wears you out even more. Mm-hmm. But if we begin to look at Scripture, I'm not saying do away with that part, mm-hmm. but if we begin to look at Scripture by looking at God and seeing who He is, then we're not going to say, wow, what do I have to do, or how tired am I after having doing that? But we're really going to be in awe of God. We're really going to adore Him. So as we look at pictures of your kids, your kids are growing up. I've got Austin in one of my classes. You never get tired of talking about your kids, do you? No. And think about how awesome it's going to be when we're grandparents. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like kids, but grand, right? (laughs) Uh, You have this baby that you just can't stop looking at. You remember the first time you held your baby, right? You didn't worry about so much about what do I have to do? You're just, wow, this is mine. This is my baby. And you adore that child. And that leads to incredible sacrifice, incredible service that moms and dads are willing to give. So then when we begin to truly adore God, right, that we look to him not asking primarily what do I have to do, but saying how great you are then we're going to have that motivation that continues. We're still going to get tired, but we're able to go back to the fountain and drink deeply and to be reinvigorated. So as we're thinking about this, James 1.17 is one of my favorite verses where James says, every good and perfect gift is from above. So as we're thinking about ministry, that's a good thing, right? It's a gift from God. Paul described ministry as a grace, a gift from God. So we're thinking about all the things that we want to accomplish or see done in our congregation. All of these things are good gifts. They're good things that need to be done. But James says that every single one of those good things is a gift from God. These are things that are received. We have to work at receiving them. We have to be active, but still yet, they are still gifts. They're things that we receive from the Lord as we are focused on Him. We go back to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is recording God's 
condemnation of these people because they are digging out these cisterns instead of going to him, the fountain of living water. They're trying to hold water in these broken cisterns, and they should have just been going to him, the fountain of living water. James says, instead of trying to do all of this yourself, trust in the Lord to provide every good and perfect gift. He says it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Here again, God is described as the fountain of light. He is the source of every good thing in our life. Now, how do we receive those blessings? You first have to receive them, don't you? You first have to be in awe of God. You have to be connected to him. You have to be more concerned with receiving than working. You have to be focused on his grace and his glory, focused on his nature, so that then you're able to act, right? So that then you're able to move. As we look maybe even in the second chapter of Acts that we all appreciate so very much, and we get to the command to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ there in verse 38. That command is there because the people were begging to know what to do. Well, why were they begging to know what to do? Well, because from verse 21 all the way down to verse 36, Peter's been preaching Jesus. And they're overwhelmed with the glory of God revealed in Christ. Now, I think if we'll apply those same principles into our ministry, into our lives, and our marriages, that we are overwhelmed with the glory of God, then what we're going to find is that we have more energy to serve. And we have more desire to serve. And we want to be even more precise in our obedience simply because we're overwhelmed with God. That's why we do so many things for our kids, isn't it? It's because we love them so much. And as we love the Lord, we're going to serve better. We're going to serve more faithfully. We're going to uh, be more diligent over a longer period of time because we love him all the more. So it's all, it's in some ways you're saying it's, it's almost like we are trying to serve someone and please someone that we don't take time to get to know. That, that getting to know God is really the basis of everything, isn't it? And, and we lose our energy for that work and that purpose in that work because we have become detached mm-hmm. in our personal relationship with God. Right. And this love of God and this, um, this spirit idea that he is filling us with his spirit with his knowledge and then we then want to go out and carry that right without that relationship it all becomes an empty ritual yes right but whenever we have that relationship by being in awe of god just sitting back and thinking about his nature thinking about his glory thinking about how truly awesome he is then as we're having that sort of a relationship we're going to want to serve we're going to want to worship Uh, We can see that in a lot of different ways. We think about the way that we design sermon series. Mm -hmm. How many of our sermons are about how great God is? It's probably not a very high percentage, is it? Mm -hmm. The overwhelming uh, sermon uh, series is about how to, Mm -hmm. right? What do you need to do? You need to start doing this or you need to stop doing that. I think a lot of those things could be corrected if we are overwhelmed with God. If we are really in love with him by focusing on his glory, then we're not going to do the things that are going to keep us away from him. Instead, we're going to want to do the things that are going to keep us close to him because we're absolutely in love with him, because we absolutely are overwhelmed with his transcendence and his glory. That's why we get distracted so often, isn't it? Uh, I've been working through the book of Hebrews on Wednesday nights, and all through the book, you see these people that are distracted. They want to go back to Judaism. They want to go back to the world. And the preacher there in Hebrews 
is calling people to look at Jesus, consider Jesus, mm-hmm. focus on Jesus, focus on spiritual reality. You think the temple that's there in Jerusalem was great and beautiful, which it was. He says, no, you've come to what you cannot touch. You've come to the heavenly city, the heavenly Zion. This is what you're going to. This is far better. Don't be distracted with this temple. It's going to be gone in just a little while. You need to be enthralled with the Lord, just like we love our wives and we do whatever we can for them. We love our children, so we do whatever we can for them. So, too, we love the Lord. But if we don't focus on him, we're not going to love him, and we're not going to serve him. Eventually, we'll grow tired or we'll go in some other direction because we don't have that true adoration for God. So what I want us to really work on is to really focus on loving the Lord, focus on being overwhelmed with his glory. I think that outdoes missional fatigue. I can't imagine what it's like to be a, a uh, NFL player right now. The guys playing in the Super Bowl, they've been put through the ringer for several weeks, but that's been going on for several years, right, as they've been playing and practicing from the youth up. But something keeps them there. A love of the game, a love of money maybe, but a love for the game that they're playing. They really want to be there, and that's why they're willing to sacrifice and serve that to that degree. But what if we love the Lord that much? We're not going to worry about, well, I hope we have some, some people come back on Sunday night. I hope our Wednesday night attendance is okay because we know they're going to be there because they love the Lord, right? We're not going to have to worry about our daily Bible reading. We love the Lord. There's no way I'm not going to hear from God today. Well, what about telling that person across the street or across the table or that person we've been praying for, having an evangelistic conversation with them? We just can't help it, right? You're always overwhelmed with the weather, how hot it is or how cold it is, how rainy it is, how snowy it is. But what if we're overwhelmed with the Lord? It's just going to come, as Marshall Keeble would say, it's going to come bubbling over in our lives, right? This is what we're really supposed to be going for. That's why we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so that we fall in love with Jesus. We're just in love with him. It's one of the reasons, I think, why we love the Psalms so much. It's because we have the psalmist exploring the love of God, pouring out his own heart for the Lord. And all the time that we go back to the Psalms, whenever we go back to the Gospels, we love God all the more, and we're excited to serve him another day. But if we're only focused on what we have to do, our regulations, our rituals, perhaps, then it's going to be empty. What we need is that relationship, and that relationship begins with awe, really being uh, in a state where we just adore the Lord. Amen, Donnie. Good stuff. So Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right. So he'd be the greatest commandment. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So he begins with this idea of love, mm-hmm. that, that our motivation proceeds from our love for God, and then we're motivated to serve Him, right. to bring glory and honor to Him out of that deep love. And also, I like what you're talking about, this awe, this mm-hmm. appreciation. So really, what, what you're emphasizing here is that as we read Scripture, and as we preach or teach Scripture, we need to first begin not by thinking about what are we called to do from this passage, mm-hmm. but we need to first think about who is revealed in this passage. Right. How is God revealed in this passage? How does this help me grow closer to God? And then from that, mm-hmm. move to the application of right. what then do I do based upon this love of God, right. this awesome God that's described in this passage. So we need to we need to learn more about God and grow more in our knowledge of God. Any any suggestions? We talked about reading Scripture. Yeah. Uh, all this gets to the spiritual disciplines, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. With uh, you want to talk about any suggestions on how we can do this more in our personal lives to okay. kind of reinvigorate yeah. our mission? Okay. 
Well, being a systematic theologian, that's what I teach, that's what I've been trained mm-hmm. in, it all has to start with the Lord. It has to start with knowing who God is. Uh, and this has undergone a major shift uh, with uh, Enlightenment or post-Enlightenment theology as the shift is not on God, but instead it becomes on uh, action. It becomes a shift that's focused on change, on church uh, practices. And in that, we begin to see an emptiness develop as well because as they turn away from God, the fountain of living waters, they're just looking at what they must do or how they think it should be done. Eventually, you're just worn out. Eventually, you just become another social organization if you don't have this worship aspect. But if we'll go back to Scripture, and as I encourage my uh, students to do, every time you read a passage, I want you first to think, what does this teach me about God? Number two, what does it teach me about myself? And number three, what does it teach me about salvation? And all three of those things, God's going to be highlighted. Because as we look at the nature of God, we're, of course, going to be overwhelmed with him, overwhelmed with his glory, overwhelmed with his transcendence. And especially as we look in Christ, we're going to be overwhelmed with our invitation to be in his presence. As we look at ourselves, we're going to be overwhelmed with our own uh, deficiency, with how much we don't have, how much we depend upon the Lord for absolutely everything that's good in our life. And so as we see our absence of good, we're going to be overwhelmed with his abundance of good. And then as we look at the doctrine of salvation, then we're, of course, going to want to worship him because we remember every single day that we are a great sinner and he's a great savior, that he has this eternal plan for our salvation that's been worked out in Christ and applied to me specifically. What an incredible day that I get to live then. One of my professors and uh, seminary told me to preach the gospel to yourself every single morning. And what a blessing that has been to remember the greatness of God, my own sinfulness, my own need for a Savior, and then to see his love for me. And you do that in every single passage. And the focus begins to shift from, well, I guess I have to do this today, right? I guess I, guess I have to work on that. I guess I'm going to check off the box for my daily Bible reading. Instead, you're building a relationship with the eternal God and you appreciate him, you love him all the more, you see what he's done for your life, you see how he has saved you, how he has shaped you, first in the incarnation of Christ, the sufferings of Christ, then the application of those benefits to your soul, all of a sudden, your whole life changes because it's no longer about you. It's no longer about what you have to do. Instead, it's about what you get to do for your God that day. Missional fatigue is out the window. Now it's just life a life that is dominated with your love for the Lord. Uh, One quote here from the book that I mentioned, it just says this, Unless we honestly find God to be beautiful and enjoyable, we'll have nothing worth saying to the people around us. Until we see him aright, we'll have no genuine desire to fill the world with the knowledge of our God. We talked about um, baptism a second ago. And I don't know how many times we've been there talking to someone, getting ready to baptize them and ask them to make the great confession. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? And that's great. But do you love Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you love God the Father? Do you love God the Spirit? These are questions we need to continue asking ourselves every day. And hopefully we love him more every single day. That's what's going to fuel our ministry and fuel our congregation. If your congregation ever becomes so focused on what you have to do or what you shouldn't do, it's no longer about God, is it? And it's going to have some emptiness. There's going to be a void there that people are looking for. And if your ministry is about, well, I showed up today, well, then it's going to be all about you. But if your ministry is about sharing 
God with people, being so overwhelmed with the Lord that you want to bring Jesus to every person that you meet, then you're going to have a greater purpose and your ministry is going to be so much more effective because you're just sharing the Lord. You're bringing Christ to these people that need him. It's not about you anymore. That's one of the great things about expository preaching, too, mm-hmm. isn't it? It gets you out of the way and brings people directly in contact with the word that brings faith into their hearts. That's what we want to do in preaching. That's got to be what our life is about. Forget about me. Look at God. Forget about what I can do. Look at what Jesus can do. Forget about me. Go to the Lord and be in awe of him. Hopefully, then, that will fuel our congregations, fuel our ministries, and fuel our own spiritual devotion. That has to be the beginning of everything else that we do. Amen. That's going to change our song service in our churches. Right. That's Because we're really praising God. Right. Like we're, we're, that's going to change our prayer life. Mm-hmm. It's going to change our uh, energy for being there. Right. It's, it's going to make it all God-focused right. instead of, as you were talking about, and I thought you had some good thoughts about the emptiness in our present culture around a lot of religion yeah. and around... Um, our churches many times right. because it becomes so much about what we're doing. Right. Uh, One of the things that's maybe a little painful to do is to look at our preaching. I'll talk about preachers first. Look at our preaching and then to look at our song service. How much is our worship actually worship? Mm-hmm. Now, we do need to teach and admonish, right? That's necessary. The Bible commands us to do that. But worship is, first of all, worship. How much of it is about how great God is? Mm-hmm. And it's usually not a very high percentage, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, we, and we've got to train our people to think about their relationship to God and think about this adoration and give them reasons right. through Scripture to adore God mm-hmm. and to be in awe of God. And, you know, I think about Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. Right. And it comes right after the dating phrase, kind of, in the year that King Uzziah died. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that King Uzziah had been in many ways blocking his view of the Lord mm-hmm. when Uzziah died, then I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Then you had that beautiful description mm-hmm. of that vision and that calling of Isaiah and his being taken in the heavenly throne room. And I think about that idea. In order for us to have this well within inside of us mm-hmm. to be able to do this service, we've got to see the Lord high and lifted up. Right. So in your exposition of Scripture, your daily Bible reading, your preaching, you haven't really exegeted that passage until you find the glory of God in it. Yeah. You get there, you find the glory of God, you see Jesus in that passage, then you're ready to go. But a knowledge of Greek isn't going to be the only thing that gets you there, right? You're going to have to learn to look for the Lord, see who he is and what he has done, and then you've got something to tell people. Amen. Well, well, Donnie, I want us to wrap this up. I appreciate you being on the show so much and appreciate your great thoughts and really challenging thoughts for all of us in the way we uh, do our ministry our motivation for doing ministry, and even in a congregational perspective, is how are we, uh, what messages are we giving to our congregation about how we're supposed to be doing ministry and what is the motivation for our ministry? So a lot of great thoughts. Any closing thoughts that you have before we uh, wind up this program? Well, Josh, I just appreciate you so much and this podcast, the work you're doing with the Center for Church uh, Leadership. It's a great program. And as we're doing all that, remember, our main thing is to get people back to the Lord. Yes, amen, and all we do, and we need to be challenged on that. Mm-hmm. It can be so easy, uh, like the old lighthouse uh, saving station there that on, yeah. the, on the coast that they got all wrapped up in all the social things, and the question mm-hmm. was, you know, how many people have been saved here lately? They lost their mission. Mm-hmm. They got focused on all the fun things and all the other distractions, and they lost their mission of going out into right. the sea and saving people that were dying. Mm-hmm. 
And that's our mission. We've got right. to stay, we've got to keep close to our mission and our mission of being connected mm-hmm. with God. So we appreciate that. Um, I want us to encourage our listeners, if you can, uh, come be with us at our lectureship. If you're listening to this after that, we want to encourage you to continue uh, to listen to other episodes on our podcast and look forward to more episodes coming out in season three. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fried Harmon Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember, God uses ordinary people to lead his people into extraordinary feats.